Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Wrestle Chat Radio here on the Fan Junkies Radio Network. I am your host, Jonathan Raggis. Alongside me, as always, is Brett Clendaniel. Brett, what's going on, bud? Not much, man. I have been eating turnbuckles all week in preparation for this big show tonight. Oh, we all have been. And also joining us is the great Jim Williams. Jim, what's... I haven't shaved my back hair in ages. I'm sorry, Brett stole my line. I yeah, he just stole it. You had to go with something, right? I, I had to go with something. Well, I shaved my head. How about that? Absolutely, absolutely. There we go. I, I'm psyched for this interview. But it's not the only interview we have tonight on Wrestle Chat Radio. Is that correct, sir? No, it's not. We're actually going to also be joined by the Southern Stomper, Luke Hawks, from Wildcat Pro Sports. But, of course, before Luke Hawks is, and as everybody probably knows, is WWE legend, George the Animal Steel will be joining us at around the 9.15 mark here on Wrestle Chat Radio. Really looking forward to that. But before we go into anything else, us here at Wrestle Chat Radio want to send out our condolences to Ric Flair, the family and friends of uh, Reed Flair, who passed away uh, a couple of days ago at the young age of 25 uh, down in North Carolina. Uh, real tragedy, a real shame for the Flair family. And, uh, you know, like we said, uh, we send out our condolences to everybody down there. Sad stuff, very sad stuff, and the, the investigation's still ongoing as to what it was. They don't suspect foul play, but uh, uh, still, just a, a sad case of events. Yeah, it really is. It really is sad. Uh, you know what? Before we get into anything, we do have a call today. You want to take a real qu- quick call, Brett? What do you think? Sure, why not? Why not? We got somebody calling in from the 706 area code. 706, what's on your mind? Hey, yo, yes, Ruler. Uh, calling in tonight here from uh, George the Animal Still and Luke Hawks. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's it's going to be a good show, Rule. Do you have any questions you'd like us to ask uh, George or even Luke Hawks later on today or what? Well, yeah, I had one for each. I actually was like one for George Still. It was kind of like, uh, what does turnbuckle taste like? And uh, if it really was actually like real turnbuckle or not. And uh, for Luke, it was more so who's his dream opponent and where does he want to see himself uh, for which company? In the future. Absolutely. We'll definitely ask those questions to George and Luke. Ruler, thanks, man. We appreciate it, buddy. Appreciate it, yeah. Speaking of which, if you are wanting to chime in, for there are many ways you can chime into this program. Uh, socially, if you're a fan and you follow WrestleChat on Twitter, twitter.com slash WrestleChatNet, just send us a tweet. We'll try to get to as many of them to our two interview subjects over the course of the evening. And uh, you can also call in directly, I assume, right? Yeah, you could, but better off if you want to log into blogtalkradio.com slash fanjunkies and jump right in the chat room and you can be talking to the host of this radio program and uh, just ask the questions right from there. We can ask both well, George Why, would, why would they want to talk to you? Oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's a joke. Everybody wants to talk to me, man. Okay. All right, man. Let's get to a little bit of raw recap, though, from last night. Uh, Brett, what did you think of the show overall? I thought it was so weak. Uh, I didn't enjoy it at all. Uh, I thought it was funny about 8:30 last night here on the East Coast. Uh, WWE is boring was uh, one of the was the number three trending topic worldwide, <laughs> which not a good sign uh, when the show starts off with John Cena, a very angry John Cena. I just thought it was a very weak show, uh, and you know the the ending, the ending was very very difficult for me to watch. It was difficult for a lot of people to watch. Jim, you watched Raw last night. What was your take on it? Yeah, I pretty much agree with Brett, uh, at least 85% of what he said there. I mean, the show in and of itself, for our go-home show, for the biggest card of the year, lackluster. But I will say this. The ending was theater at its finest. I, I actually got a kick out of the ending, quite frankly. Really? 
Yeah, I, 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 and when I mean I got a kick out of it, I'm not trying to be masochistic or sadistic or cynical or anything yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. I think it, te- it, it builds up that match, Punk as Taker, as the must-see match of the card, that much more. And in a perfect world, although you and I and everybody and their sister knows this is not going to happen, that would be the match that closes WrestleMania. But it's not, so. Yeah, I don't see any way that happens. Uh, but, you know, in, in my opinion, that this feud did not need what happened last night. It, these two guys are, are way better than that. They, they didn't need something like this. I understood it at first. I even understood it as it went along. With you know the the talking urn, him throwing the urn around and dropping it here and there, mm-hmm. I understood that. Uh, last night, the show, of course, as many people saw, ends with uh, the Undertaker doing a promo. Lights go out. Druids start coming down the ramp, and then we hear that uh, that Paul Bear. Oh yes, we look to the top of the ramp. None other than Paul Heyman playing the. Uh, the character of Paul Bearer, which I thought in that that in itself I thought was in bad taste. Yeah. And then to make matters absolutely worse, we see CM Punk beat down The Undertaker with the urn and then proceed to dump out all of the ashes on top of his body, uh, which brings us to today one of the big – probably the big story of the day that's going around – Paul Bearer's children, who so far have said that they've pretty much signed off on everything, that they that they haven't had any problems with the way that, that uh, Paul Bearer's death has been used in WWE storylines. Uh, Michael Moody, Paul's son, says on Facebook, if anyone is wondering, yes, WWE did come to us wanting approval for tonight's storyline. The way it was presented to us was okay. Seeing it on TV was a different story. I don't even know what to say. Clearly, they, they were upset with the way that uh, that it was used, and they either weren't told this was going to happen, or when they were told, it was nothing like what actually portrayed on the TV. Yeah, do you think it was changed up at the end there, Brett? I don't know if it was changed up or not, but I, I would think that the WWE would be honest and straightforward with uh, with Paul's sons from the beginning. You know, I, I can see how it, would, how it would be explained, but I... I just can't imagine. I just can't imagine they would have been okay with, you know, we're gonna have somebody come out and, and pretend to be him and make fun of him, and then we're gonna, you know, pretend that that his ashes, which you know that's where they're going with the storyline. Uh, if you go back many many years, what's supposed to be in that urn are the Undertaker's parents, but in the last few weeks they've changed up that storyline obviously to kind of portray that it's Paul Bearer, and I, I don't think they would have signed off on that if they knew this was going to take place at the end of last night's Raw. Yeah. Do you th- now, where does the WWE go to rectify this? Because we know the Moody family is not happy right now, and they kind of feel—I don't want to say betrayed, but they're—you know—I, you know, it's kind of hard to think what what's going through their minds right now, unless they really come out and say. But what does the WWE do now to rectify this and to make themselves, you know, come up to the standards of okay, well, we got the Moody family's approval to do things in the future now, especially at WrestleMania. Do you think they'll, you know, reach out to them and do something or? I don't see it. No. I, once once this Sunday's done with, this is it for this feud. It's not going anywhere else. It's not going to happen again. Oh yeah. Yeah. CM CM Punk is uh, reportedly already going to be taking probably about a month or two off. Uh, this feud's done after this. This all stops now. Uh, you know, I don't even think we'll see something like this in in the match before the match. You know, it's done. That's done. So you so you think that's it? No more Paul Bearer. WWE. All of this is done. Last night was the big big thing with Paul Bearer, and they went all out, 
people are irate over it now, and that's it. It's done. It's done. Okay. But, now, Jim, let me ask you. A lot of people are angry over this. You liked it for the theater aspect of it. I look at it from a couple of different aspects. First and foremost, the man himself, Percy Pringle, you know, Paul Bearer, whatever you want to know him as, he's probably up in heaven getting, you know, the biggest laugh out of this because he's involved in one more storyline yeah. for WrestleMania. Understandable. It's, it's a tribute to him in many respects. Now, some may argue whether or not they're, you know, crapping all over the tribute. That's subjectable. Uh, rather subjective, uh, but I think it's it's a it's a nice way to keep his memory alive and to honor him for what he did for the business. Uh, the, the fact that he was brought into the storyline in the first place. You may, uh, you know, the, the point of uh, if they've gone too far, definitely debatable, definitely debatable. But I find this theater, I find this also. You can make a case if you want to play devil's advocate, lazy booking because they. What did they have before this? What did they have before the death of Paul Bearer? Yeah. Not much to go on. So it can also be a little bit of lazy booking that, sadly, tragedy helped forward a cause that, you know, the writers probably couldn't have done. Yeah. Now, <laughs> unfortunately, Paul Bearer did die. It was, a, you know, shame everybody in the wrestling community was rocked by it, including us here. We were big fans of Will Moody. Absolutely. Um, if that didn't happen, where do you see the WWE booking the CM Punk Undertaker WrestleMania matchup? Because it seems like they're—I mean, because of the way they've been leading up to stories going to WrestleMania, there was really no room to build up storylines. Where would they have went with this matchup? What kind of angle could it have taken on? That I'm not 100% sure of, and I was going to kind of jump in and say they've been actually building up stories towards WrestleMania. You could have fooled me. The biggest thing they build up, sadly, outside of the Punk Taker matches. Don, Johnny Curtis against Chris Jericho. And, and that's a, four, a sad man. truth. That's a sad truth. Yeah. I mean, they would have built the whole best in the world versus the streak thing, and you can only take that so far and so on and so forth. I don't know. I mean, you know, obviously I'm not fit to be a writer on WWE Creative, but, you know, it seems like they're just go, and it, this goes back also to the Cena Rock match. Really, when you get right back down to it, you're going off of reputations of wrestlers at this yeah. point. That's all you're going off of. There's no fluid story behind a lot of these matches, and that's a shame. And that's that's going to turn off some people, I think, ultimately. Hmm. That's a shame. That's a real shame. Uh, but anyway, so Brett, let me ask you this: Was there a bright spot at all to last night's Monday Night Raw? Fandango. I, mean, I I think he's impressing more and more every time he comes out. The the we can't wrestle chants are they're so funny. People are going to be blown away this Sunday when they see what he can actually do. He's an incredible character. Uh, the report comes out today that that Vince McMahon is really the driving force behind Fandango. He loves the character. He wants to push it really hard. It was his idea to have him work with Chris Jericho to really get him over. He's a big star and he wants to, he wants to see how far this can go and. Uh, I think Fandango is is the guy that uh, really has benefited the most in the past uh, few weeks from Raw. Vince is just jealous he can't dance like Fandango. Or Disco Inferno. This is true, too. I'm, I'm thinking back to the Stand Back video and his uh, unique dance gyrations. Well, I got to say, man, Das Wunderkind, one of the finest dancers we've ever seen. <laughs> das <laughs> oh, that looks right reference. I love it. <laughs> All right. Jim, what do you think was the bright spot last night? Do you agree with Brett? 
I, by default, I kind of have to. It was nice seeing, uh, you know, one of the uh, Funkadactyls show that they have some moves in the ring, and I don't mean dance moves. That was nice. But outside of that, yeah, pretty much that was that was the size of it. That was that was the highlight. Again, for your go home show, you're supposed to leave the viewer wanting to buy the pay per view. And outside of the very final segment, which again I didn't have a problem with, and I understand why some people did. Don't get me wrong. There's not a lot. I mean, who wants to pay seventy dollars to watch Roxena again when everybody's in the happy? Yeah, well, for lack of better terms, it's the Mutual Admiration Society until the last week, and ooh, we're fighting behind podiums in front of Hall of Famers, and Bret Hart gives it four out of ten at best. <laughs> You're absolutely right. And yesterday before Raw, I asked on Twitter, I said, is there anything that can happen on tonight's show that will affect your current decision to buy or not buy WrestleMania 29? And I was actually shocked to see that everybody that tweeted us back, probably close to 20-something tweets, had each said – their their mind was already made up whether they were going to purchase it or not. Uh, you know, and and then last week there was somebody that made a comment on Twitter. They had asked if this was the most uninspiring, uninspired booking that they've seen for a WrestleMania uh, for a WrestleMania yet. And I got to say, this is for me, this is really up there. Uh, you know, there there doesn't seem to be that one storyline that they've really gone all out on, and that I really feel like it's personal. I mean, if I have to pick one, maybe Brock Lesnar Triple H. We've been there. We've done that. And I think that's what people don't want. Yeah. I I didn't want it. Mm. I, I, I told you guys before, I'm not spending the $70 on WrestleMania. So. And, and throwing Shawn Michaels in there in that match, that doesn't do anything for me. I'm sorry. It doesn't. It takes away from it, if anything. Yeah. Who else could they have thrown in? Yeah. I mean, I mean you know what? you got to look at it that Michael? way, too. Yeah. Well, there were reports that Stephanie may have ended up in there, but I, I see that they're going a different way. And uh, a, a crazy uh, report today, it just came out about an hour ago, stating that we may possibly see some sort of screw job type ending to that match involving Shawn Michaels. Triple H is ready to hang it up. He doesn't want to wrestle anymore. He wants to, you know, strictly focus on the business side of the company. And they right, right now they see one way to possibly do that is to uh, have him lose this match, have Shawn Michaels cause him this match. And uh, the other part to that is that Triple H has stated many times in the past few years he wants his last match to be against Shawn Michaels at a WrestleMania. So maybe WrestleMania 30, we get two of the biggest stars from the last two decades, and we have them both put on their last wrestle ma- wrestling match together at a WrestleMania. So hmm. How many last matches, though, as I often say to myself, how many last matches? I, I think that one would be it. You know, Triple it H, who, who else does he want to work with? Shawn Michaels would probably come back out of respect just for that one match against his best friend. Sure. I can see it happening. Yeah, you know what? It, it wouldn't be a totally crazy match anyway if he came back out. So Very true. You know, it wouldn't be anything like, you know, a Hell in a Cell with him versus Undertaker or anything like that. That's not going to happen if he comes out of retirement for that match. But then again, I mean, you know what, so then how would they work that? Now you're going to have HBK come back. He's going to, I, I guess, turn heel is what they're saying to cause Triple H the match. They're going to fight at WrestleMania, what, they're going to beat the crap out of each other and then turn around and what, be best of friends again for the uh, rest of eternity? That's exactly how it would happen. It'd probably play out kind of like the uh, the Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels storyline of a few years ago, the mm. same exact way. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Rick. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sean lost a smile all again. Oh, Super no, kick. No. I don't know. There you go. I tell you, man, it's uh, fantasy booking in its finest. It's you know, it's Vic Venom booking. You gotta love it. 
Hey, now, in a Vic Venom booking, that's a different story. <laughs> that's your friend. Then we have Pinata on the pole matches, and nobody's happy about that. <laughs> and David Arquette is world champion. <laughs> David Arquette has won the title! <laughs> I would like to see Undertaker versus David Arquette at a WrestleMania, man. Winner gets Courtney Cox. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, nobody wants our man. Yeah, it's point taken, point taken. Oh, man. So uh, as, as we're waiting for uh, our guest, George Yamalfield is going to be joining us real soon here. Um, let's talk a little bit more about last night's uh, Raw. Nobody really liked it, I guess. Uh, you know, Jim, you no, it, really didn't it, like it. It was stagnant. I mean, even the I mean the Del Rio stuff, uh, and Brett's mentioned this a number of times over the course of uh, uh, the last show, few shows and few weeks. Could it be any more stagnant, the whole, okay, we get it. Uh, Zeb Coulter does not like Del Rio because he is from this, he's not from this country and he came over here to get success. You're beating the horse till it's borderline dead. And then when it's dead, you decide to cut its head off for the sake of cutting its head off. And then after you cut its head off, you cut its ear off for the sake of cutting its ear off. I mean, it's a one-trick pony. It's a one-trick pony storyline. They haven't advanced it. They haven't branched out more with it, which is a shame. Yeah, it's a real shame. Uh, so, I mean, we're going to get into the WrestleMania matchups later. It, you know, do you see this going to be a spectacular WrestleMania, Jim? Is this going to be something where, you know, the following Raw is going to be something really to watch? Because right now, the way it's leading up to it, it seems like it's going to be a, a, a very predictable WrestleMania. I'm, I'm looking at the card. There are maybe two or three matches on the entire card that are worth some consideration. I would say probably two. I would. I, I think Lesnar Triple H has the potential, especially with what we're talking about here a moment ago, yeah. of being intriguing. And Punk Taker, because, well, it's the streak. The streak matches are always good. Um, Dark Horse match, Fandango, Chris Jericho, uh, because, well... Fandango will actually be able to wrestle. Uh, and, and after that, you know, you can take it or leave it. I don't know many people who want to see Cena versus The Rock. I don't know many people who want to see most of the other matches on the card. I mean, you know, it's... And uh, there was talk, and I think you reported this on the site, uh, yeah. Brett, that uh, one of the matches, Ryback versus Mark Henry, uh, the higher-ups are getting a little bit leery about, aren't they? They are. They are. They, these guys have been working in the uh, dark matches the past two weeks, and it's just the chemistry is not there. They're they're very stiff. They're not working very well with each other, and uh, there's definitely great concern there. Yeah, never a is. good sign. Never a good sign. No, but guess what? It is that time, and uh, let's get to our very very special guest here. Um, some people may know him as William Myers. Uh, other people may know him as WWE legend Georgie Animal Steel, and he's joining us right now. George, thank you for taking the time to join us. How are you doing? We're doing great. It's an honor to have you with us here tonight. Well, thank you. We really appreciate it. Um, you know, we have a lot. You know, lots of things to talk to you about, George. Um, right off the bat, uh, you know, let's talk about early on in your career. Um, you know, WWE at that time, of course, WWF. Um, really, it was WWWF. Exactly. Uh, but let's talk about your finest moment. In your mind, what was your greatest matchup in the WWF or WWE as as it is now? Well, you know, that's a hard call. I had so many different people that I worked with, and most of them were just great workers, and it was just a, a pleasure every night to just jump out at one. You know, naturally, it was Bruno Sammartino. 
Mm-hmm. He's being inducted into the uh, WWE Hall of Fame uh, Saturday night. I think that's a good thing. Uh, Bobby Backlund was another one. People kind of didn't. They took him kind of lightly, but he was really a great champion. Uh, if you look back at the history of the WWE, uh, guys like that, you know, they, they needed a belt to be the champion, to really be special. And uh, so uh, when I'm talking this kind of talk, uh, a lot of guys, a lot of people get offended by it. Just being blatantly, you know, everybody's a smart mark right now. So we talk about the business as it is known now, not as it was when I was working a long time ago. Yes. Oops, sorry, I got cut off there. So now, you know, Bruno is going into the WWE Hall of Fame. He is a guy that scouted you. Did you ever see that Bruno was going to make it into the WWE Hall of Fame with all of the stuff that was surrounding him in the WWF for these years? Well, everybody's got a price. It worked out fine. <laughs> <laughs> well said. <laughs> well, I know we're happy about it. I know uh, Jim and oh, Brett, absolutely. Like, we're all happy about Bruno. We're also especially happy about Bob Backlund making it in two of our favorites here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, George, uh, you you went back into the WWE Hall of Fame years ago. Have you talked to Bruno since the announcement came out that he was going to go in? Uh, No, I have not. Okay. I have not. Bruno and I, uh, we used to talk all the time. We don't talk as much anymore. We kind of had different views on the business, and, (laughs) you know, he's very outspoken, and so am I. So we kind of let that slide by us. I have read quite a bit about his views and your views of the WWE in the past few years. One of the things that – a few of the things that Bruno's talked about in, in recent uh, years has been the usage of PED, uh, PEDs, uh, performance-enhancing drugs in the WWE, as well as the product itself, the the curse words, the vulgarity, and things like that. You are a born-again Christian. What are your feelings on the current product, and is there anything that you would change? Do you watch yourself? Well, I'll put it in the perfect perspective for you. About 12 years ago, they came out with what they call the Legends Contracts, or whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. and they sent me one. I didn't send it back. I didn't respond. I just I just accept, you know, accepted the Lord as my personal Savior, and uh, the way they were going at that time, they had fornication in the coffin, gay marriage, and all this stuff just did not fit with my lifestyle, my newfound lifestyle, may I say. And so I didn't send the contract back, and... and uh, let it slide. In fact, they sent me two or three, and I just stuffed them in the drawer. Uh, I got a book coming out, and we wanted to, the publisher wanted to contact the WWE for some photos, so I made a phone call, and uh, the fellow I was talking to, it's funny how God works, uh, this is like 12 years later, was the guy that was in charge of sending out these contracts. So he said, he said, George, we sent you a contract. Why didn't you sign it? I said, well, with my faith, I couldn't really... I didn't want my name on your product. Mm-hmm. He said, well, I can appreciate that. I agree with you. He said, but have you seen our contract, our, our, our product lately? I said, yes. In fact, I showed up uh, about a year and a half, well, December two years ago, uh, two Decembers ago, uh, to the show, be, only because they cleaned up their act. I'd been asked maybe 10, 12 times prior to that. I wouldn't go because of the content of their, of their show. Uh, so when I when I told him that, he said, well, you see that we've cleaned it up now. I said, yes. So he sent me another contract 12 years later, and I signed it because I think they're on the right track now. So that's kind of on the same wavelength, I think, that Bruno's on, mm-hmm. just from a little different angle. But it's, it's the same thing, I think. 
Yeah, absolutely. Definitely does sound like it's, it, it is on the same link there. Uh, now that you have been somewhat following it uh, over the last uh, couple of years or so, uh, is, is there any talents that stand out to you now in the WWE that you think is a, a real special talent? There are. I'll tell you what I do, just so you understand. Do- I DVD it. Mm-hmm. I don't watch the show, and I don't watch – I watch the three-hour show in probably 20 minutes, 25 minutes. You and me both. <laughs> I just, boom, I, you know, I know what I'm looking for. And it's not the wrestling product they, they have today. It's not what we did, and I, I respect what they do. They're great athletes. They fly around a lot, but they don't tell a, a story, and they don't use ring psychology. And they really can't do that now because it's a TV product, not an arena product. So it puts a whole different twist on everything. Uh, but I do enjoy watching uh, a couple of the guys. One of them had been sitting down for a while was uh, Randy Orton. I think he's a tremendous talent. Mm. He, he would have fit in a long time ago with us. Uh, a lot of the guys have got a lot of you know a lot to say, but they don't have a lot to do in the ring, so that doesn't do much for me. Uh, I like some of the storylines. I like it when they bring some of the old timers back. Uh, that's pretty much my take on all of it. Well, it's interesting you mentioned bringing the quote-unquote old-timers back. You've been brought back for the old-school Raw a couple of years ago. To this day, are you amazed by the reception you get from fans, not just in the arena but around the world on Twitter, social media, and whatnot, when it comes to wanting a taste of yesteryear, a taste of nostalgia from that bygone era of wrestling? It's unbelievable. It really is, and that's what it is. Now, when we're talking about... Let's just get real basic. My fans, most of them are 30 years or years old or older. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get some respect, you know, some respect from younger people that are just watching some of the stuff on YouTube, but mm-hmm. that doesn't give the whole story because what's lost, like when they had the 724 and all this stuff, what's lost in the wrestling matches from from years ago is not just the match; it's the storyline and the lead up to it, and that's all lost. So you know, it's. Just to throw a match out there doesn't mean much if you don't know what it's all about, really. It, it was seemingly a much more, shall we say, uh, finer art back then. Oh, when it comes art is to exactly yeah. the right word. It was a total art. Everything was called in the ring. There was no such thing as a choreographed match. Uh, people say, well, pressing was fake. And I say, no, <laughs> if you haven't been in the ring, you don't know what I'm talking about. But what's fake? <laughs> John Stossel knows it's not German. fake. We Let's knew who was that going way. to win. Mm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, and since we're in the season, I figured I might as well ask you, you wrestle at WrestleMania a time or two. If When I say the word WrestleMania, what's the very first thing that comes to your mind? When you say that to me, it means superstars coming back, and it's not wrestling superstars. It used to be Hollywood superstars and uh, great uh, music people and so on. Now they tend to bring back just wrestlers. So they've got away from that star-studded thing. Uh, that that cross cross the line to other forms of entertainment. I think. I mean, mm-hmm. are they bringing any uh, anyone other than wrestlers in this year? I don't know. I think they have a couple of uh, one or two people performing a la a song or two from a concert. I want to say, uh, Up oh. Daddy or something like that. I, I'm not hip with the kids. <laughs> yeah, trust me, George. It's uh, nobody you really want to hear. <laughs> I, I read uh, People Magazine now and then, and I don't know anybody. What can I tell you? <laughs> You and me both. Don't take it. Seventy-five years old, and a lot of things are passing me by, and I think I'm lucky for that. In many respects, I understand. I understand. I can relate. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brett, you got a question, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. George, we asked, uh, we've been asking fans all day long uh, to send us in questions, the things that they wanted to know about you. And uh, Jeremy Plowshay, he is in the chat room right now, and he actually sent a, sent a question in. He wanted to know, uh, as of right now, Jake the Snake Roberts and Scott Hall, two guys that have been having substance abuse issues for many, many years now, who have been in and out of rehab. Um, these are guys that Diamond Dallas Page has now taken in and is really kind of nurturing them using his, his yoga program and, and, and other various tools to kind of help them turn their lives around. Um, I was just curious, you know, what you thought of something like that and uh, if something, a program like this may have benefited any of the guys back when, uh, when you were active. Well, back in the, my heyday, drugs was not a, an issue, to be honest with you. Uh, later on in the 80s, uh, when I was doing the cartoon character, they had become an issue. Uh, I, I saw the first time that uh, Jake and, uh, uh, you know, we're in a touchy area right here, a real touchy area, but I'm just going to say what I think because this is what I've always done. Mm-hmm. I saw Jake and Paige talking to uh, a Scott. Uh, they, they were televising themselves. They had a video on themselves. He didn't know they would be in video and that, it, you know, the, that they were doing video, and they were talking to him about coming and, and, and getting clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had I had I thought that was great, but I also thought it was wrong. And then I saw later on where they were asking fans to uh, help finance these guys come back. I don't like that because I know that every four months Vince McMahon sends out a program where he will anyone that's got a drug problem from the past he will help them go to he will pay for their rehabilitation. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's the way it should be done. I, and then when, when we start asking fans, I'm looking at, you know, we're talking Scott Hall particularly because I think uh, Snake's a little bit ahead of the game right now in, in the rehabilitation. I'm thinking of the guys that he ran with, HHH. He could afford to take care of things for him. He, you don't have to ask for the fans. Mm-hmm. Shawn Michaels, the guys that ran with him are the guys that should step up and help this guy, I think. Now, I respect the fans, but see, I, I love our fans, and I don't like to see them, I don't want to say it, but pulled into something like that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's definitely been a hot-button issue recently as well. Uh, a lot of fans have been voicing their uh, their displeasure with, with uh, those guys doing that. And now that they've done it, multiple other guys have come out. Marty Janetti is the newest one who is asking fans for help with his uh, ankle surgery. So it's, 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 uh, it's weird that you bring that up. Well, it's just, that, that's my take on it. And I'm a little, I'm very old school, very hardcore. Uh, You know, I go back to kayfabe days. Mm -hmm. And and, and so I have probably a totally different look on this. And I I don't mean to step on anybody's toes. Yeah. But I probably stomped on them. (laughs) (laughs) Literally literally and figuratively, I'm sure, yeah. Uh, No, but it makes sense. It it, it does make sense. It does make sense. And especially, and Brett on WrestleChat has chronicled this over the last couple of years, there have been organizations that have come out of the woodwork, some reputable, some definitely not reputable, that solicit fans' donations, you know, and and you don't know where the money is going half the time. Amen. And that's the problem I have. Uh, wrestling, Wrestling was a very tough business. But it was a very lucrative business if you saved your money. If you put your money up your nose, then you got a problem. Mm. And, and Vince is helping him with that. I mean, he's going to help people with their rehabilitation problems. Uh, I, I know a lot of people not knock Vince and their program, but 
I think it's been more than fair to most. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. His problem is sometimes he has to tell somebody when their career is over, and nobody wants to hear that. Yeah. I was glad to hear it. I mean, come on. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's just a, it's a tough business. It really is. And uh, it's a, a business where you're on the road, so you don't have a real life. And then when it's over with, you have a real adjustment problem. You really do. And uh, but that's that's a personal problem. You should handle that personally yourself. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, George, a, a lot of the questions we got today, of course, it all revolved around you eating turnbuckles. I think that's uh, what everybody knows you for <laughs> is, is is just chewing on a turnbuckle. And um, a green tongue. And the green tongue, which is the uh, Corrette's mints. I think everybody knows about that. <laughs> I made that very clear, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I want you to tell us the story because I listened to the story today, and I don't think a lot of people know about it. And I was very, very shocked and interested to find out who kind of gave you the idea to uh, start chewing on turnbuckles. Could you tell us the story about how that all began? Yeah. Uh, we were in black and white TV in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and they used to give out gifts each uh, TV shoot to try to get fans in because we wanted fans. Uh, that was our promotion for the arena show. Totally different business than what it is now. Yeah. And this one particular time, they gave out couch pillows that were really tight stuff, silk things. And uh, the fans got mad at me. One of the ladies threw a pillow at me. What are you going to do with a pillow in the ring? You sit down, you got a boring match. You throw <laughs> it back, they're going to hit you with 400, 400 more pillows. <laughs> so, you know, I just took a bite out of it, started throwing it in the air. And it was like the abominable snowman. The, the, the stuffing was really lighter than air, and it was coming down, sticking in my... Uh, and my hair, so it, and it filled the ring. This one little pillow was, was just packed. So then I took the pillow. After I got done with that, I put it over my opponent's head and started choking, looking in the camera, great TV. I pulled it off, and it wasn't color TV, but you could see he was blue. Uh, the stuffing in the uh, pillow was lighter than air, so every time he breathed, it was going down his lungs. Ooh. It almost killed him. Wow. So when I go back to the dressing room, the guys were all laughing. They said, oh, you almost killed that one. And Tony Pugliese, uh, uh, Bruno's TV cousin, yep. said, uh, <laughs> maybe uh, uh, if you get somebody to p- throw a pillow at you every day, it'd really be something special. Then he said, <laughs> or maybe you could eat the turnbuckle. That stuck <laughs> in a little bit. About two weeks later, I wrestled with Jay Strongbow. We were getting no response. The match sucked. It just wasn't getting with it. And I looked at the turnbuckle, I thought, well, I wonder. So I went over, it was an old everlasting uh, turnbuckle. I snapped at it. It tore very easily. I rubbed it in his eyes and started throwing the stuff at him and then pulled the thing back and run his head into the uh, steel ring there, and we had a riot. So I figured real quick that uh, this might be better than wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> and you kept turnbuckle really company? And, and, and just a turnbuckle and so on and so forth. And yeah. later on, when I became the cartoon character, it was just slapped the turnbuckle and bite it for the fans. And you've kept turnbuckle companies in business ever since, so there you My go. My dad was making them. What are you talking about? Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> it's, just, it's just funny how, you know, I I never knew that, and I'm, and I'm sure a lot of people didn't know it, that the uh, idea kind of came from Antonio Pugliese. Uh, you know, Brett and myself, our grandfathers, were huge, huge fans of Bruno San Martino. Yeah. And, uh, of course, Bob Backlund, both guys going into the WWE Hall of Fame. And uh, I know my grandfather, and I know Brett's grandfather, too. Uh, they both passed away at the same time uh, about, uh, you know, almost that. two years ago now. And uh, they, w- they would have been happy right now to sit here listening to us talking to you and 
all this for you know full circle stuff coming around how Bruno scouted you and you're talking to us Antonio Pugliese gave the idea so it's just uh you know really uh, you know fun to learn all of this stuff today I'm always into a little bit of marketing yeah this is way out front it's not time to do this yet or say this yeah. but I do have a book coming out yes and it's coming out in June mhm and it's called Animal and what I really a lot of people you know they know about the green tongue they know about the uh the turnbuckles, they know I was a wild, crazy guy. They know I did a cartoon thing uh, later yeah. on. and They know the history of my, my WWF stuff. They don't know how I got started with a mask on as a student. That surprises a lot of people. They don't know that I was a school teacher and, and coaching football and wrestling for 25 years and was wrestling part-time. They don't know that stuff. And all of this is going to really open it up. Some, I'm, really what I'm doing, I'm, I'm giving a, the, the fans of that era particularly, but all eras, a peek under the WWF tent, and uh, people are always young guys are always coming up and they want to be wrestlers and telling me, ask me, you know, how do I get in the business? I yeah. don't have a clue how to get in the business anymore. Uh, it's a totally different business, uh, but I, I do know that you have to have a little bit of ability and have some athletic ability, and these guys do have that. When we talk about the athletes today, they're tremendous athletes. They really are. They fly high. They do all these wild things. Yeah. Uh, and the, I don't know, I, I say they're great athletes, but I think we were tongue-in-cheek, but not really. I really mean this. Uh, we were tougher athletes back when. I'm talking about in the Bruno days and the early days of Bob Backlund. Absolutely. Totally the business that your dad liked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. George, I think I think one thing that, that that kind of shocked me, that I think a lot of people will be excited to read about when they, when they see Animal, uh, hit the bookstores, hopefully coming up in this June. There were a lot of things that I wasn't aware of. You know, I'm, I'm still in my 20s, and, and and when I was doing a lot of my research, and I saw things like you were a, a, a high school coach, that you had a master's degree, uh, you know, things like that, that people may not really realize. And one thing from a personal standpoint, I did see that uh, that you had battled Crohn's disease for a, for a little while there. Yeah. Uh, you had a scare with that, and you you actually on your website georgetheanimalsteel dot com you actually attribute that battle with helping you find God, and I thought that was fantastic. As somebody who has uh, been battling celiac disease for three years now, um, I thought that was incredible. Well, the, 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 it all starts really earlier on. Uh, I was very dyslexic in the forties and fifties, and they didn't know what it was, and so you know they just thought I was a dumb kid sitting in the back of the room and keep your mouth shut. So I overcome that. Uh, I was still having problems with dyslexic uh, throughout high school, and when I went into college, I was you know they'd send me they'd send me to the gym in high school, uh, so I become a pretty good athlete. I guess. Mm-hmm. And I got into Michigan State for football, and uh, I had earned 16 varsity letters and all that kind of garbage. And uh, as I got into Michigan State, they started figuring out what was going on. So Michigan State really put me on the right track, and I was able to get an education, and I was able to teach and coach, and I was making $4,300 a year with two children, a third one on the way. That's why I started wrestling. And so wrestling was always the part-time job thing for me, but it was a huge part-time job. It was I don't think anyone ever had a better life in any kind of business than I had. I would do what I loved for, you know, the teaching and the coaching. Then I would go and do the wrestling, which I learned to love big time, and uh, it just all fell together, and uh, uh, I was just blessed. And I think 
uh, when you when you look at your life, and I, what I'm going to say now, I think everybody should try it. I, I, I picked up on it writing the books. I had some help because I am still dyslexic. But looking in the rearview mirror of your life, you can see the places really clearly where God touched you before you even knew Jesus. He had, he had a hand in it. A lot of things that happened to me all the way through. I mean, how does the guy with dyslexic end up with a master's degree? Give me a break. Yep. Uh, I, I ended up coming out of high school with a tremendous wife. She's still my wife of 58 years. And she's wow. the one that handled my money. So that you know, that's, we've done real well financially because of her. <laughs> I would have been another wrestler broke right now if it wasn't for her, probably. Yeah. It's funny. It used to be we'd get paid cash, and I would have a show, say, in Boston on a Saturday night. Uh, I would go to the bank Monday and send every penny I had home and then borrow $100 from Lou for the for the next day. And every time I got paid, I'd send the money home and borrow 100 from Lou and paid him on the next payday or the next night because he got paid cash. All my money was going home. So I didn't have wow. a lot of time to spend it, which was great. Wow. And is all of this going to be in the book, George? Um, yeah, the book is right. going to touch a lot of this. There's a lot more in-depth than what I'm telling you. Uh, yeah. I, I taught for 25 years in the same school that I went to, and I was dyslexic. So now i got a problem with teachers when i come coming back because, well, you, you'll learn a lot about how I, uh, that, that, I, that I do with my life. I mean, I was in the wrong track. I could have ended up in jail. I could have killed somebody. Somebody could have killed me. I was a wild man as a yeah. kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it explains why in the book. It, all this is in the book, not, not to sell its damn book. It's there that people can learn that they can take advantages of all their different difficulties and turn them into positives. And that's what it's really about. I think that's what my life's been about. George, you've done you've done a lot in your illustrious career. You've been acknowledged by the Cauliflower Alley Club. You got inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 1995, the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame in the class of 2005. 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, what do you want your legacy to be at that time? This crazy guy knew Jesus. I love that. I love that. That's great. That is great. I love that. (laughs) That is great. George, it's uh, honestly for you know for all of us, it's it's been a real honor to have you on our show and to talk to you. And uh, you know, after Animal comes out this summer, and uh, we we all you know all three of us get to read this. uh, If you know, all up to you, we'd love to have you back on to discuss the book with us. Oh, I'd love to do that. That would be great. It's 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 been a real pleasure, George. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to join us here on Wrestle Chat Radio, and uh, we really hope to talk to you in the in the in the real near future. Well, thank you, and God bless you guys, both of you, and keep doing the good work. Absolutely, God bless you, you too. Have a very good Thanks, energy George. level for our business. It's it is. Thank you, George. God bless you and your wife. God bless you. Bye bye, now. Take care. Take care. Like I said, uh, you know, very very humble man. Uh, you know, just a different side of a guy that when you saw him on TV, you wouldn't think, you know, a guy with a master's degree, you know, coach of a football team and just, a you know, a, a, a brilliant man, you know. Yeah, it's amazing stuff. And just to follow up on the book, uh, it can be pre-ordered on Amazon from what I'm reading. Uh, and uh, Cowboy Bill Watts writes the foreword to it, and the publication yes. date is uh, the 1st of June. So if you want to pre-order it, you can do that now on Amazon. I'm sure various other bookstores are going to uh, sell it. It looks like a great read, and 
uh, what what a remarkable individual, what a remarkable person. Forget wrestler, just a remarkable person all in all. I'll tell you what, it's been 20, 30 seconds now since George uh, hung up the phone, and uh, I'll tell you what, what what an absolute honor. You know, it's uh, every every hair on my body is standing up right now. I kind of got goosebumps, you know, to hear to hear his story and and specifically the last line. You know, he didn't want his legacy to be as the the guy who ate turnbuckles, the guy who you know, has, has wrestled at WrestleMania and is in all kinds of Hall of Fames. You know, he, he wants to be remembered as a guy who knew Jesus, and I think that's an awesome thing. And uh, that, that really, uh, that's incredible. I love that. Yeah, I think he's, uh, you know, totally opposite from what all, you know, from what we know from all these other wrestlers. Um, you know, his legacy is I want to be known as the crazy guy who found Jesus, you know, and all these other people want to be known as, oh, the greatest champ here or the greatest champ there. You know, he wants to be known for something different and something he totally believes in. And, uh, you know, like you said, Brett, it's uh, definitely a real honor for all of us. And I get to go through life now telling people that I got a great story by not only talking to George Yamasteel, but being able to talk to him privately as well and uh, him completely fooling me on the phone and uh, making me uh, laugh my uh, butt off, which was hilarious. He calls up and goes, uh, you know, is, is this Jonathan Raggis? I said, yes, it is. And he goes, well, this is Jim Myers. And I said, okay, how you doing, Jim? And he goes, you don't know my name, do you? And I was like, <laughs> not ringing a bell right now. And he goes, well, you might know me better as George the Animal Steel. Oh, okay, yeah, you know. So, you know, get to talk to a legend at the same time. But when he fools you, like, they get a little jittery on the phone. But that's a, you know, great story that's going to stick with me for life. And uh, what an honor, you know, it really and, is. And, and to know Jim Myers is better than knowing George the Animal Steel, quite frankly, in many respects. I mean, what a what a, what a great human being. And you talk about it, and you mentioned it, Brett. Uh, overcoming dyslexia, overcoming Crohn's disease, and uh, you know, just a, just a warrior in and out of the rain. Absolutely. And th- thank you, thank you to all all the uh, the listeners and the, and the uh, fans of the show and of George Steele's that, that sent in questions today. I'm sure that we all had questions that we could not get to. Yes. We apologize for that, but um, you know, we, thank you guys so much for sending in those questions. And next time we have uh, George on, we'll make sure that we uh, you know have him on a little bit longer and we can get the, every single question that we have. Absolutely. And we Absolutely. can talk more about the book then when it'll be out, and we can give the proper plugging for uh, how people can get the book and what have you, because it is. Uh, uh, a couple hundred pages of must-read material, I think. Uh, so you can also check it out at www.georgetheanimalsteel.com. And if you want to re-listen to this interview later, you can find it right here on the Fan Junkies Radio Network on Blog Talk Radio or, as always, on WrestleChat.net. Great stuff. Now let's get into the matchups here for WrestleMania 29. Uh, oh, that whole we... thing? we got to go to that now? Yeah, um, we have to. I mean, I, you know what? I want to get talking to Luke. I want to get oh, talking to the true. Southern Stomper, but of, of course we have to talk about this garbage first. Luke, Luke, oh, <laughs> oh man! Yeah. Tell us how you really feel. Oh man, listen, man. Uh, you know, uh, shall we start it, with the pre-show match? Yeah, so let's start with the pre-show match, which to me I think should be in the card itself, and a couple of these other matches should be possibly taken out. But let's talk about this one. Uh, this is for the WWE Intercontinental Title match, pre-show match means nothing. It's a shame that the Intercontinental belt means absolutely nothing anymore, but then again, all of these belts really mean nothing anymore, and it hasn't for quite some time, in my opinion. Um, the Miz versus Wade Barrett. Brett, you first. Where do you see this match going? Okay, before we even get into this, I need to say, I don't. I mean, even on the pre-show at this point, it needs, he needs to be there, but where is Antonio Cesaro? Exactly. It's the joke that he's not on the show, but... Exactly. Hopefully he'll end up on the show somewhere. I'm thinking maybe we can throw in like a um, maybe him and Kofi or him and R Truth something. But 
I don't know. That's a, that's a, that's a discussion we'll have next week. Um, Miz versus Wade Barrett. This is Wade Barrett's match. If it was on the main card, maybe I'd feel differently, but uh, they're not going to have a, a belt change hands on the uh, on the uh, pre-show. All right. Jim, you agree? I, I have a funny feeling they could pull the trigger and make the belt change hands pre-show. I, I, I'm going with the Miz here. Let me ask you this question, though. Yes. Who the hell is the Intercontinental Champion? Because I don't even know right now. <laughs> that will be Rob Bauer. The Bauer Barrage. Okay, so it is Wade Barrett. Okay. The Wade Barrett. I was right. All right, so who cares about that match? So let's get Good to the next one. You. We have uh, Brodus Clay. Okay, here's the match. Before you go further, this is the match that should be pre-show. Go ahead. <laughs> exactly. This is the this is exactly what I was thinking of. We got Brodus Clay, Tensai, and the Funkadactyls versus Cody Rhodes, Damian Sandow, and the Bella Twins. Brett, where is this going? And do you care? Um, I I do care. Well, um, well yeah, cause I, you're going to be I, there. So. I cared enough to spend uh, six to seven hundred dollars just on tickets to see oh, this live. Uh, that match, I, I think, uh, based on the on the rest of the card and, and the way that it's going to fall, I think that we're going to need some heels to win somewhere, and I think this is going to be one of the matches. I could see uh, the Road Scholars and the uh, fantastic, beautiful Bella Twins taking this matchup. Yeah. Jim, what do you think? The evenly balanced Bella Twins. Oh, that's not nice. Um, I, I'm, I'm with Brett on this one. I can see uh, the mustachioed one and uh, Mr. Sophisticate. Winning this one, and the Bella Twins just there for uh, eye candy. Yeah, um, I, I I don't care who wins. Neither uh, do I, really. Ultimately, <laughs> I mean, this is this is the match. I'm going to go out and I'm going to get my popcorn. I'm going to put some butter on it, and maybe a little extra butter just to be safe at this point in time. And well, you know what? Out of the eight names in this matchup, how do you not give it to Cody Rhodes, Damian Sandow, and the Bella Twins? Just alone on how great Damian Sandow is in the ring and on the mic, you know. But come on, you want to have eighty thousand people doing. Doing this, doing the dactyl, the dactyl. Oh my goodness! Oh no, they're gonna dance, but they're still gonna lose. I mean, well, no, I mean at the end of the I, match. I'd rather do that dance than the uh, the rumored Guinness Harlem World Shake. Record attempt at the Harlem Shake. Oh, I'd come walk, on, come on! I'd, I'd walk out of the arena. Right, you're gonna be Harlem shaking a WrestleChat.net sign, aren't you, Smirk? Oh, absolutely. You know it. Okay. All right. You see LW eighty three one while you're at it. Just saying. <laughs> Maybe. Let's get to the next matchup, and uh, we got Fandango, a.k.a. Johnny Curtis, versus ah. Y2 WrestleMania, ah. Chris Jericho. Go. Um, you know, I'm up in the air on this one, specifically with knowing how this has played out in the past with Chris Jericho, with him it seemingly going in the WrestleMania to supposedly to lose a match, and then it turns out not happening that way. Uh, I do not think that happens this time. I think way too much has been put in the Fandango's debut. Knowing how much they're going to push him and knowing that Chris Jericho is not going to be around full-time, this is going to be Fandango's first ever match in the WWE. He's going to debut on a WrestleMania. Uh, I think, hands down, Fandango wins this match and impresses the hell out of everybody who sees it. Jim? I think by the end of the night, you will never forget the name of... Johnny Curtis. Um, I agree. Fandango wins the match. Uh, but it's this is, like I said, this is going to be the sleeper match of the pay-per-view because, like Brett has mentioned time and time before, Curtis can go. People with these you-can't-wrestle chants are just out of their gourd, okay? Fandango, Johnny Curtis, whatever you want to call him, he's going to put on a show with Jericho. It's going to be, it's going to be uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Legend? Wait for it. 
dairy. There you go. Oh, I'm going Y2J, man. I just have to. Well, I yeah, see Fandango winning it, but it's going to be a shame that guy did do it. You call him Fandango? What? It's it's it's. I, I, I just can't do it, man. All right, let's go with this one here, man. Ryback versus Mizar Kenry, man. Brett, where you got this one? <laughs> this this match is putting fans to sleep in dark matches the last two weekends. As you mentioned earlier, WWE officials have a very real concern about how this match plays out. They're just there's no chemistry there. They're not working well together. No matter what, uh, Ryback is going to get his WrestleMania moment. He's going to lift all 853 pounds of Mark Henry onto his shoulders <laughs> and hit him with a shell shock. That's like a Guinness Book record right there, man. <laughs> yes. No, 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 John Cena does it. Oh, never mind. That's later. Uh, yeah, Ryback will be having a feeding frenzy inside of uh, the Meadowlands. Uh, yeah, Ryback wins this match. By the way, these picks don't count officially towards the pickums we're going to do on the North American Wrestling Connection presented by WrestleChat.net, are they? Okay, thank you. Mark, plug. Cheap plug, listen in, tune in. All right, man. <laughs> you know I had to get it in because you won't do it for me, okay? <laughs> well, I would, but you never uh, said the magic word. And the magic word would be now. Please. All right, man, let's get to the six-man tag here. We got uh, Sheamus, Big Show, and Randy Orton versus The Shield, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, and Roman Reigns. Where do you guys got this going? Well, I, I had a uh, I had a poll up on WrestleChat.net for two weeks. Um, I just took it down this past week to replace it with something else. But the question was, what WrestleMania 29 feud do you have the most interest in? And I was very shocked to find that in second place, after only CM Punk versus The Undertaker, was this match. People seem to love the Shield, specifically the Internet Wrestling or the uh, the, the IWC. They seem to, to really uh, take to them. I do not see them losing here yet. I think the Shield's first loss is going to come at Extreme Rules in May. All right, Jim. To tear them down now would do to tear down the Shield now by losing to Big Show, Orton, and Sheamus would be like what happened to stop the Nexus's uh, momentum a year or two ago. Uh, yeah, the Shield has to win this match. Yeah, I'm going Shield as well. I, you know, I just think everybody loves the Shield. Uh, you know, me included. I think they're they're new, they're fresh, and uh, this is something they got to keep going. I don't see them losing this match. I agree. Now let's get to uh, probably the most talked about match of uh, this uh, WrestleMania: CM Punk versus The Undertaker. I, I guess everybody sees Undertaker winning this. The streak's not stopping. No, not yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't even think it's worth the the uh, the spot in the predictions. <laughs> Uh, let's so let's just move on. Okay, Brock Lesnar versus Triple H. HBK Shawn Michaels will be in Triple H's corner as we talked about earlier. A lot of rumor going around that HBK will possibly cost Triple H the match. Uh, Triple H wants to probably hang it up and be more of the uh, background leader for WWE in the offices. Um, I think we all possibly see Brock Lesnar taking this match. Is that the case? I, I don't know. I think that, that Brock Lesnar winning the first match means that Triple H wins this match somehow. Uh, I'm going to go with my gut, and I'm going to say Triple H wins this match, but I think it's the wrong move. Jim? I can see Lesnar winning this match. I can also see the Spanish announce table getting obliterated during this match, but that's just me. Poor, poor Carlos Cabrera. Yeah. Well, I guess whoever wins this match is still going to go away for a year and just show up at the next WrestleMania, so it really doesn't uh, matter. Well, Bro Brock Lesnar is actually booked for Extreme Rules. He's supposedly going to work SummerSlam, Survivor Series as well, and then the uh, the current preliminary booking plan uh, is that he will face The Rock at WrestleMania 30 in the March matchup, which possibly at that point may be for the WWE title. 
All right. Yeah. I see Brock Lesnar taking this one. All right, man. WWE Tag Team Title Match: Dolph Ziggler versus Big E. What's the E stand for? Langston versus Kane and Daniel Bryan. Big E Langston's wrestling debut here at the WWE, correct? Yes, yes. Crazy that uh, for the first time in WrestleMania history, a wrestler is going to make his in-ring debut in a match on a WrestleMania card, and it's actually going to happen twice on this show. Uh, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I do not think Team Hell No is going to retain. I think that Jack Dolph is going to take this matchup. You had to say it. You had to say it. <laughs> Look, we had a contest, a Twitter contest. I promised I would always refer to them, to whatever person made up the uh, the best name. Jack Doff was the winner. That's their name. Jack okay. Doff, next WWE Tag Team Champions. All right, Jim, who do you think wins here? Does, uh, you know, is it the Mr. Perfect ripoff and Ahmed Johnson or what? <laughs> and, uh, well, Ahmed Johnson got big all of a sudden. Oh, man. He lost, the, bigger. he lost the accent. He was bigger. Bigger. Yeah. Uh, River I'm, a that, kids. I'm on the fence on this one because I can see it going both ways. And if I was a betting person which I'm not and I don't condone it because it's wrestling for goodness sakes. I have a feeling that, yes, Dolph Ziggler and Big E are going to win the title and that Ziggler is going to get more gold later in the night. Mm. Uh, that that would make me a happy man. Yes. That would make, I think, a lot of people very happy. I think that would make it a very, very good WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Talk about stealing the show. Why not steal the biggest of the shows? Stealing the show. All right, man, World Heavyweight title match. Jack Swagger, the... Real American, the All American, the Somewhat American. Who knows what he is anymore? The American, exactly. Versus Alberto Del Rio, Brett. You know, I think this is probably the hardest match for me to pick a winner on. I think this is the the one match that really could go either way. I know the WWE has has put a lot in Alberto Del Rio. They really want him to be that that driving force for the uh, Latino market going forward. Then again, this feud with, with Jack Swagger's really made mainstream news. And, I, I, you know, I'm really up on the air on this. I'm going, to, I'm going to say that because the WWE title isn't changing and because well, – well, no, the WWE title will change. But because the streak isn't going to end and we have Cena winning, I'm going to say that Jack Swagger is going to win the World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. Jim? Swagger's going to win it, but he's not going to keep it at the end of the night. I think Ziggler can cash in here, depending on how the card is officially laid out and, you know, what, what happens, or even regardless of it. I think, you know, whoever's going to come out of MetLife Stadium with a title, it's not going to be either of these two guys. How awesome would it be for Jack Swagger to win this match and, and Dolph Ziggler to cash in? In, new, in? in this area, the New Jersey, New York area, we love people like Dolph Ziggler, and people that, that stadium will go bananas if Dolph Ziggler cashes in money in the bank and wins the belt there. It would, but if they do it that way, do you think that's going to be the end of Jack Swagger's gimmick? Nah, it'll keep going. Yeah. Well, it, it's already been confirmed that, uh, well, it was reported on various sources that uh, Mr. Coulter is staying around for at least a little while. So Yeah, yeah and, and as of right now, it looks like we're going to get Swagger Del Rio 2 at Extreme Rules in a submission match. Hmm, so most likely... Jack Dolziglow won't win the belt, but you never know. They could throw us for a curve. And I still say, Dirty Dutch Mantel, man, would be perfect to join the Shield, man. Would love it. Absolutely. John Cena versus The Rock. WWE title match. Two times in a lifetime. Could be possibly twice in a lifetime very soon. Where do you see this going, Brett? (laughs) I I hate to say that John Cena is going to win this match. I'd love to be surprised. 
But honestly, I don't I don't care about this match. I, I want to. I know it's supposed to be that match that's going to make everybody want to buy, but I just don't care. Yep. Why do I have the picture in my head of Brett Clendaniel leaving as soon as he hears boom, down the Just heading down the turnpike and getting out of here. You know, in advance, while this match is going on, just trying to beat the traffic. I can see that happening. Uh, now, correct me if I'm wrong, and this will be a Brett question. The Rock is unofficially on board through Extreme Rules. Isn't that correct? He is. Go- yes, he is going to work uh, Extreme Rules. And uh, the preliminary reports are, are the plans as of right now are that uh, Cena and The Rock will team up to face The Shield in the main event. Hmm. Well, the uh, reason I bring that up is The Rock doesn't necessarily have to lose Sunday night. He's he's losing. John Cena is not going to lose for a very long time. I don't know, man. I would like to see a uh, three-way of uh, Cena, Rock, and Ziggler at Extreme Rules. That would be fun. With Ziggler but, being the champion. What, but what? You know, and I've mentioned this before. They could, you know, give The Rock the win Sunday night to set up the rematch Monday night and Cena wins on a smaller stage as opposed to in front of 80,000 people who will probably throw chairs, their collectible chairs, cups of you-know-what, because I'm sorry, but if Cena, unless they do the whole concept of Cena's with the shield and what have you, 80,000 people at MetLife are going to freaking riot, and I don't mean in a good way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. I I mean it sincerely. It's the right move. It's the right move. I think back to the whole uh, situation with uh, One Night Stand. If Cena wins, we riot. That's no joke. Absolutely. This is New York. This is New. I'm sorry. This is the New York metro area. You know, you get what I'm saying. Absolutely. All right, Mel, that's it for the uh, WrestleMania matches. I'm sure we could talk a little more about it. But we're going to get to more important things. And right now joining us is the Southern Stomper himself, our good friend, Luke Hawks. Luke, what's going on, bud? What's going down? What's happening, fellas? How are you, Luke? I'm just chilling, just chilling, just finishing a little training over here at Wildcat, and uh, you know, going to wind down, eat some foe, and talk to y'all. <laughs> perfect. Sounds like a perfect night. Yeah. Always is yeah. a perfect night. Tear right. up my old lady when she gets home. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Luke we love, man. All right, Luke, you know what? Right off the bat, I'm going to play something here right now, and I'll yeah, get uh, you your should... answer to this. Yeah, we're we're going to uh, actually play uh, somebody by the name of uh, you may know this man quite well, Mike Dell. Yeah, he oh, had a God. few choice He's words. The star of uh, How to Catch a Child Predator. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Yeah. Yes, that's what Online, he... everybody. Knows. All right, I'm just going to play a little bit of this. I'm not going to play it all, and then all right. just something about. We want to get your feedback to this. Exactly. All right, I'm going to start it right now. Here we go. Luke Hawks, Wildcat. Pro wrestling champion. You know, just saying that makes me sick. Because the fact of the matter is, congratulations. So congratulations at the last show, winning that title from Steve Anthony. But let's face it, the title should have never been on Steve Anthony anyway, and it definitely shouldn't be on you. You're looking in that mirror doubting yourself because you're sitting there telling yourself, do I deserve this title? Because I stole it. I'm no thief, Luke. I tell the truth, I'm a man of words, yes, but also action. And I want, I mean, 
not one. I demand a title shot because let's face it, Luke, I am championship material. That's why in every Fed, when I run with a title, the ratings skyrocket. So, Luke, put up or shut up, big man. Put my title on the line so it can be rightfully given back to me. Put the damn title on the line so the ladies can enjoy one man Mike Dell plus soul. Is that easy enough for you, Luke? Is that easy enough for you? Can you understand that, jackass? Now, this is what I got to say first, Luke. First of all, I can't take this guy seriously because he's in the background blasting Striper during his challenge. Is that what it is, Striper? I knew it was some real bad 80s music, man. I don't I know. Just it was laugh. I Striper or I mean, It was something. It was, it was terrible, though. Yeah, it was definitely terrible. <laughs> See, and I know Mike Dell. I'm surprised. You know, Mike Dell's a Jersey boy. He's from out of y'all's way. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he's a good, good wrestler, good wrestler. He ain't no way damn near as good as me. But, I mean, who is? Let's face the facts, you know. But, uh, you know, Dell... Del, Dell's been one of those guys who've been on a good scene for a minute. He's been wrestling a long time. Never had really a, a high point in his career. He got the shots he probably should have, so I guess he's trying to aim at me. And what's it all good, you know, you're going to get knocked off. I I wouldn't want to see that. That's like a pit bull fight in Chihuahua. So, uh, I mean, we, we, can, we can handle this. We can handle it. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready at all times. So, I mean, I'm, but like I said, I, I just don't see what the outcome would be other than me beating his ass. So, so Mike Dell says that he wants you for the Wildcat Heavyweight Championship, April 27th, International Invasion. So is, that sounds kind of to me like Luke Hawks is going to take him up on that challenge? Yeah, I, I, I didn't have nobody else to wrestle, so, I mean, might as well. You know, I'll give Dell his credit, man. Dell's a good wrestler. Dell's somebody who, uh, who took over the Texas scene and, I mean, held multiple titles across Texas. You know, he wrestles for BMW, he wrestles for uh, some of the bigger fans out in Texas, and I know he's held some of the bigger belts he had. I know he just recently did some kind of radio show out there, and the ratings went through the roof because he was on. You know, and Dell's a, Dell's a you know, big name over in Texas, but this ain't Texas. This is Louisiana, so. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, definitely, I encourage everybody to, to uh, check you guys out on YouTube. Wild, watch Wildcat Sports on YouTube. Fantastic wrestling. They definitely do not get the recognition that they deserve. Uh, Luke, he started that company. He's the head trainer over there. Um, Luke, who are who are some of your guys that you know are really really promising that you can see maybe five six years down the road, maybe even sooner that that we could be seeing in, in a bigger spotlight. Man, Buku Dow, Matt Lancey, Carlos DeCoro, uh Blake Wilder, uh, Bo Brady, Mike Dell, Carson Carson from Texas. They got a lot of Texas guys. We use uh, Jack Jameson. We got a Steve Anthony, we got a whole slew of guys that is just like the best of the best. And like you said, we don't get enough recognition. It's crazy because we're not on that East Coast where all the feds are and where they get all the, you know, the, all the media and the Internet hype. We don't have like a lot of Internet people come through. And thank God we had uh, Russell Chess Jeremy from the last show come mm-hmm. through and, you know, do a good report on us. But it's, it's crazy because... These feds, they get all these hype, but just because they're in the right area, so they get all these people from the magazines and stuff. They come over there, and they, you know, they, they get to get seen. Well, Wildcat, we're in the South, and the South's been shunned out from wrestling magazines and the Internet for years. So that was one of my goals with Wildcat is to change that. Not just only Wildcat, was myself. And that, that means me taking over the independent scene in the North, coming up there and, you know, running shop, basically, opening up shop and holding it down up there and, and then making them take recognition of Luke Hawks, which then, therefore, makes them recognize Wildcat. 
and now it's been we, going good so far, but we definitely need to get it going more. It's ironic that you bring that up of, uh, you know, Luke Hawks overtaking the, the indie scene up north. You've been, you've been in a, a really big feud, in my opinion, one of the best feuds in wrestling over the last six to eight months with Matt Hardy. Uh, you were scheduled to face Matt Hardy this coming weekend, actually, at, uh, at Extreme Rising. Extreme Rising, as we know, it's been all over the, uh, the news. They have canceled all three of their WrestleMania weekend shows with just a week notice. Uh, I know I've seen you. On, I've seen you on Twitter. Your feelings are very strong about that. You know, what do you think about that? It's what it, I mean. What a joke, man! It's a, it's a joke, is what it is. It's a, how do you do that? How do you do that to your wrestlers, number one, and your fans? You know, these fans put put good money in. They said the ticket sales ain't good enough. That's why they canceled the event. That's BS, man. You don't cancel a show, win, lose, or draw. You take your loss like a man, and you don't run a show unless you have the money to run a show. You don't put a show together and say, hey, uh, I'm dependent on ticket sales to, to, to pay you guys. You know, it's either put up or shut up. You need to have the money up front, and you pay the boys no matter if you got three people in attendance or if you got 30,000 people in attendance. So you guarantee the boys a price, you pay them that price. You don't say, oh, man, the house is weak. Uh, I can only give you, I know I promised you 500 but I can only give you 200 It don't work like that. You know, this is a business like anything else. I did an interview yesterday with Mike Johnson, and I was like, you know, and Mike kind of played the devil's advocate. He said, well, you know, what if you're a promoter and you're doing the show, and, you know, what, what would you do? And I told him, it's, it's like it's, we, what we do is a job. i got to come home at the end of the night. I have to take care of my family. You don't go work at McDonald's, and McDonald's says, hey, you're making $7 an hour. Oh, wait, we didn't sell enough Big Macs this week. We're only going to pay you $3 an hour. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, very true. So now with uh, Extreme Rising being next, unfortunately, uh, when are we going to finally see you and uh, Matt Hardy settle the score? Man, uh, who knows? Who knows? I mean, I see a lot of people plugging away, you know, for Tommy Dreamer and House of Hardcore to bring us in, which I would love to do. I mean, but that's up to Dreamer and that's up to the fans. So, I mean, I think that's all the fans that make that happen. I seen a tweet today. He said, who, who do you all want to see? So I think the fans need to come out in powerhouse and say they want to see us. I don't even know if Matt's open, Matt, what the deal is, but uh, we need to make it happen, and we need to make it happen on a big scale. You know, what better place to have it at a place like that? I'll tell you one thing. I feel sorry for Matt Hardy already, already because I know that if somebody were to put their hands on my on my uh, child, there would be hell to pay. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people have seen the video of Matt Hardy slapping your son, PJ. Uh, God bless Matt Hardy. He's going to need it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna break his face, man, dude. Poor thing, poor soul. I mean, look, look. I feel bad for him already. Look what he has to go home to every night. That skank, you know. Who tell him what she got? Oh. You know what I mean? Who wants to go home to a hot can of tuna fish every day? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and, and he put a ring on it, so he's gonna be going yeah, over yeah, that. Yeah, he put a ring right. on it. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you: in, in connection to Extreme Rising, do you think they put on their last show? I said, you know what, to me, in my eyes, they did. I, I don't care if they tried to run a show again. I wouldn't work for them. I, like I said, and I said this yesterday, and I hate to bring up another radio show, but I, and I, I'll, I'll say this on any show I'm a part of. I'm calling out the boys. It's up to the boys to push guys like this out of the business because guys like Shane Douglas, first off, I wasn't there working for Shane. I, I can't stand Shane. I was there because of Kevin Kleinrock, and then it ended up Kevin Kleinrock had some health issues with his kid, and I understand. Kevin end up kind of, I, I won't say pulling out of extreme, but he lost a lot of contact and a lot of a lot of uh, hands-on, you know, mobility with the company because of his issues with his kids. Kevin has 200 privileged kids that are, you know, uh, 
I forget the I forget the, the term, but they have a, a very very rare disease, and they're in and out of the hospital constantly. So you know, and I, I don't know if that's really my place to say it on a radio show, but I mean it's the truth. And poor Kevin's been dealing with that, so he hasn't really had his hands in the mix with Extreme Rising as much as he used to when they first started. So and I th- I, in my mind, ever since Kevin stepped away, it's been downhill since. Like, the first show did really well. It was a terrible show because Shane put it together. And then, like, you, you notice the booking difference, the second show? That was more because Kevin stepped in with the booking and kind of did that from far away and said, no, we need to make this happen. And uh, I, I just think I think the, the boys need to stand up and – Push guys like that. Push guys like Shane out the business. They should be blackballed. And you know, and, and I mean, Steve O'Neill, nice guy, but terrible promoter. I mean, well, not promoter. He can promote his ass off. He can get out there and hustle and get the word out. He's very good at that, but has absolutely no concept of wrestling whatsoever. So you know, like guys like that, how can you trust guys like that and and, and want to work for them again? I would never work for those guys again. And, and, and I don't think any other of the boys should because if the boys stand up and don't take those bookings, then they'll have less guys like that to run shows, you know, and less, less screw jobs have them basically. But yeah. that's all the boys standing together and not being whores and going, oh, it's a book and I'm going to take it. I don't need a book in that bag. I can understand guys like, you know, like I said, I, I hate to be – I'm not being a freak when I say this, Balls Mahoney and Axel Rotten will take any booking they can get. You know, nice guys, nice guys. They can take any book and they can get. They'll take any book and they can get though. Me, I'm very picky on my bookings. I pick and choose who I want to work for. If I don't have faith in the company or something I like or something I have fun doing and it benefit me, I'm not going to do it. Bottom line, and I think that's how more of the boys should be. And uh, instead of just taking a book and trying to get a you know payday. And and you talk about uh, various things going on here and there with with Extreme Rising. There's news that came out over the weekend that Brett uh, exclusively reported about Stevie Richards challenging Danny Doring in a game of Madden 13, and they're putting the, the central belt on the line, and now, you know, there are legal issues from Extreme Rising because, because of this. I mean, what do you make of all of this? Yeah, I think it's a joke. I, I think it's phenomenal that Stevie and, and uh, Doring are doing it, by the way. I, I think it's awesome. I love it. And, uh, I think I think Extreme Rising is a joke. And for them to even mention anything after all the people they owe they owe me money, they owe the fans money. So for them to come out and say, "Hey, you know, we want the belt back." Stevie's the champion. He has every right to have that belt and do whatever he wants with it. If he wants to piss on the belt or light it on fire, he could. You know, if he wants to hang it on a on his wall, he can. It's his belt. He won it. You, you actually you just made a comment that I want to I want to uh, touch up on. You you said that uh, that Extreme Rising still owes you money. Are you referring to the canceled shows, or are you referring to? I, I no, have no, heard... they owe me. They owe me and several other guys money. Uh, I don't know who particularly. Wow. I know a few guys. I won't name names because that's not my business to name. The, you know, it's not my place to come name some other guys they owe money to. But uh, they still haven't reimbursed me for one of my flights that I paid for. So uh, you know, like they were booking terrible flights. They were booking terrible flights. So and they were spending. You know, outrageous amount of money on flights. So, like, one flight they had booked, it was like 600 and some dollars. I'm like, why the hell, you know, they, they were bitching about the flight. And I said, I see a, a, a way better flight. Like, they had, like, two layovers. So, I, had, so I have a direct flight right here, Bags Fly Free Southwest, for, like, 400 bucks, right? So, I canceled their flight and bought and bought that flight. 
and you know they got reimbursed. I made sure the money, like you know, I made sure they had the thing where they can get the money back for the flight they bought. So uh, they were supposed to reimburse me my four hundred when I got back to the show. Of course, they when I after the show, oh, we we're kind of we're kind of struggling right now. We're gonna reimburse you in a few weeks. Lord and behold, a few weeks go by, never get my money. Oh, we're still trying, we're still trying, we're still trying. Next thing you know, I'm not getting any phone calls. I'm only guy answering my calls, Kevin Kleinrock, as always. And Kevin's, you know, Kevin's not in the mix with the money, so Kevin's putting pressure on those guys. So now the office is fighting because Kevin's trying to get me money. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a crock, man. They owe all these guys money, and how are you going to draw, you know, a six-figure gate on the first show and be broke on these shows? And every show after that, doing over a thousand people. It's just how do you go out of business and struggle when you're doing over a thousand people a show? It does. There's more. There's something that we're not that we don't know. I mean, I just feel like something, something's going on. I mean, New Jack has been going off on Facebook about some shady practices Shane Douglas has done in the past, and uh, yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not going to speculate. They're, but. they're idiots. They're idiots. I mean, it's just. It, I'll put it to you like this: they waste money on meaningless crap, and and they they just they let it go to their heads. Put it this way, the uh, best example I can give you. Okay, you go to one store that has a pair of jeans for $100. Now, you go to another store and you see the exact same pair of jeans for $50. Where are you going to buy the jeans? You're going to buy the same pair of jeans for $100 or you're going to buy the same pair of jeans for $50? I'm going to save some cash. Right, you're going to go with the $50 jeans. Now, these idiots are paying thousands and thousands of dollars for commercials and radio spots and all this when, you know, they're just, just going out and buying it instead of, you know, looking around, seeing what they can get the best bang for their buck and trying to make the best thing happen, they were just like, oh, we need this. We'll go buy it. Boom. You know, just that's stupid money issues that somebody should be dealing with who who is experienced with that, somebody who runs a wrestling promotion and knows how much money to spend and where there's a budget. They should have a budget, which they didn't do. You know, they dropped the ball on that. Absolutely. And, and uh, I do want to give a quick shout out real fast. You mentioned this earlier. A lot of people are tweeting Tommy Dreamer and uh, asking him that, to put you on the uh, House of Hardcore show that they just announced yesterday for June 22nd in Philadelphia. And actually, uh, a good friend of uh, I know both of ours, all of ours here, uh, Benny Lopez on Twitter, telling Tommy Dreamer as we speak, we want to see Luke Hawks break Matt Hardy's face at uh, House of Hardcore. So uh, so there's that. Um, I want to I want to get in very fast. I want to I want to ask you about a few people, three people in specific that I know you have very good relationships with, and I, I'm just going to give you their name, and I, I want you to give me in about ten seconds. You know, just just give me, tell me something about them. Um, Stevie Richards recently called you a future main event star. Uh, in ten seconds or less, tell us about Stevie Richards. What's your feeling on him? Phenomenal guy, phenomenal guy, underrated. Uh, definitely should have a job, a major job, wrestling somewhere. At least if he's not on mainstream TV, he should be coaching somewhere. You know, training these guys because he's just a good guy, all around good person. And I'm glad that one of the things things I'm with Extreme, I'm thankful for, was to get closer with Stevie and be able to finally get the work. I've known Stevie for most of my career actually be able to become friends and close friends with him and work with him and deal with him in and out was a pleasure for me. Awesome. Uh, last weekend, you worked, uh, you, I believe on Twitter, you said that it was one of the biggest honors of your career. You actually were invited by Jerry Lynn personally to come up and work on his tribute show. Same thing, ten, about 10 seconds. What's your opinion on Jerry, Jerry Lynn? Jerry Lynn, uh, one of the top guys in the business. Again, one of the most underrated guys in the business. And uh, there's nobody I respect more than Jerry Lynn other than Tommy Dreamer. You know, Tommy Dreamer's a guy I hold a lot of respect for. Tommy Lynn and Jer Jerry Lynn, I mean, Tommy Dreamer and Jerry Lynn were 
two two of the top guys I looked up to in the business. So, um, you know, and Jerry personally called me when he found out about his retirement show, and he told me he would not do the show without me and Scott Summers, and that was the biggest honor of my career, to have a guy like Jerry Lynn, who's been all around the world, done everything in wrestling, wrestling for every major company, say he would not have his retirement show without me. So you have, you know, all the guys he's known, all the guys he's worked with, all the, you know, so everybody talks about RVD and blah 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 and their matches. RVD wasn't even on his show, you know. So so, so to have to have me on his show meant so much to me. It's a great way to look at it. And the the last person who, who I want to ask you a little bit about, um, I know you were very close to him. You had a great relationship. Um, he's he's done multiple Wildcat shows, and I know he meant a lot to you. Uh, tell us. So tell tell the fans something that they may not know about maybe your favorite memory of uh, Percy Pringle, Mr. Paul Bearer. Uh, you know, some, a favorite memory of him? Well, I, that's easy. Um, I was very fortunate as a kid to, to have guys. Like, I was trying to break into business, and I was hanging around shows here and going to the Southern shows. So most of the guys knew who I were before I broke into business, who I was before I broke into the business. So, like, uh, when I first was in high school, like, I, I was pretty much an orphan, man. I, uh, I got adopted when I was 16. I grew up in a boys' home for a little bit. And as soon as I got out the boys' home, I got my girlfriend from high school pregnant. And her mom was a single mom. She took me in. They were from Columbia. And they were a real crazy family. Not crazy, but, I mean, like, you know, really strict. And it was really uh, forbidden that I got her pregnant. And it was like, you know, we were just these typical poverty kids that didn't know any better, you know. And uh, thank God, I mean, it's where my son came from. It was awesome. I'm not taking anything away from it. But it it was really a rough time because I didn't have a pot to piss in, you know, so she was trying to teach me how to be a better person and that, you know, I couldn't run the streets and I couldn't get in trouble and do all this other stuff. So, like, they were really, really, really strict. And this is before cell phones, so it was really just house phones. So in the middle of the night, like, I would get these phone calls. It would be about 3 in the morning, and uh, my mother-in-law would come banging on the door in the room, and she'd be, like, in Spanish, and she'd speak in Spanish, and she'd say, telephone, she'd be pissed and she'd be threatening me to kick me out the house and I'd answer the house phone I'd go to the kitchen because we only had one phone was in the kitchen so we'd have to walk all the way to the kitchen and I'd get on the phone and go oh yes working you know it's Paul Bear <laughs> well, he's on the road with WWE and he's calling you know his 15 year old kid's house at 3 in the morning to rib him you know and at one point I think it was the coolest thing in the world but at the other point I'm like holy shit I'm about to get kicked out of my house here I, I don't know what to do, you know? So, like, she would answer the phone. Yeah, she would answer the phone, and he'd be doing the whole Paul Bear thing in her ear because they didn't care. They'd be drunk out partying on the road with WWE, you know? And uh, it was so funny. It was, it was it's such a classic story. And it was awesome because how many kids could say they have that? Absolutely. Absolutely, indeed. Uh, speaking of the WWE, which you alluded to when you were talking about uh, the late, great Paul Bearer, uh, through the grapevine, it's been uh, heard that uh, you, among others, were one of the stars that took uh, part in some recent tryouts with the E, among others, some ROH stars, and uh, Mike Bennett, you have Adam Cole, among others. Uh, how did it go? What did you go through? And have you heard anything back from the folks in Stanford, Connecticut? It went great. Uh, honestly, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, and I've done some hard stuff. I didn't know what to expect when I went there. I just went in trying to go there as best shape as possible. Man, it, it went phenomenal. It was hard. It, it, it killed me. It killed me. I was absolutely exhausted every day. Uh, it, it was. I, I, I'd probably say I'd never been to boot camp for military, but I would probably refer to close to that, if not worse. 
Because, mm-hmm. I mean, they just drilled you for eight hours a day, eight hours a day, just kill you, kill you, kill you to make you see how, you know, who won. And then it was funny because some guys got there and, you know, they were jacked up. They looked all chiseled and beasted up, and they couldn't last ten minutes. Right. So, you know, they're giving up on 20 push-ups, you know. So these guys look phenomenally in great shape, but they're giving up on push-ups. So it was really a, a test of heart to see who wanted to be there. Thank God I did really well. Um, you know, and just got I got a lot of positive feedback from it. They, you know, no no negative criticism whatsoever. Who knows what's going to happen down the line? I, in my heart, I feel like I will end up with WWE, and I will be with them for a very long time. I'm blessed that I have a good working relationship with them. I love everything they do. And, uh, I mean, I got into this business to be in ECW and to be WWE. I mean, before before ECW, there was WWE, so that's all I wanted to do. When ECW came around, I wanted to be in ECW, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like, that that was my childhood dream. And if you want to make, a, you know, money and be a superstar, you need to be with WWE. My heart is with WWE. I want to end up with WWE and end up, you know, spend the rest of my career there. <laughs> WrestleMania 30 is from New Orleans. Uh, I'm, I'm crossing mm-hmm. my fingers that we sue Luke Cox on that show. Dude, that would be the highest honor for me. It doesn't matter if I was, uh, you know, playing Mr. Broom on TV for WrestleMania 30. If I have a spot on WrestleMania 30 wrestling, that's, you know, that that's that's where I want to be. That's, I, I don't I, – would I like to wrestle in Madison Square Garden and be in the main event and everything? Yeah, that would be cool. But nothing would be higher than me wrestling on WrestleMania in my hometown because, you know, that's never going to happen again. Right. So, a little Cajun flavor in there, sure. Exactly. You know, who who gets to say they wrestled in WrestleMania in their hometown? I mean, I, CM Punk's the closest to it. Look at the stuff CM Punk did. That pay-per-view where in Chicago where he won the title and beat Cena and everything and left. Like, I, I told Punk, you know, I'm, I'm really good friends with Punk, and when that happened, I said, Punk, you know, that that could possibly be the highest point in your career. It's going to be hard to beat that, which he always has multiple high points, and he keeps going on. The guy's an animal. You know, he's a monster. He just keeps killing it, killing it, killing it. But what better feeling to do that in your hometown and be able to walk away and be like, look what I've just done in my hometown. You know, you're, you're an icon. He is an icon. Uh, they'll probably have a CM Punk statue in Chicago soon, or at least by the time he retires. Luke, we only have about 30 seconds left. Um, I, I want to get to at least one question that people, uh, we've been asking people all day to send in questions on Twitter for you. And uh, uh, ruler at ruler on Twitter. R u l l e r. He wanted to know who is one person that you want to wrestle before your career is over that you have not had a chance to wrestle yet. Tracy Smothers. Ooh, nice. Yeah. I like that. Very nice. Yep. Very nice. Tracy Smothers. Well, Luke, uh, I just want to thank you for uh, taking the time out of your schedule to join us tonight, and we'll definitely have you on again in the future. And by that time. WWE, man. Bring it. I love That's it. I love stuff. it, man. Thanks for having me on. Thank, Thank you, you, buddy, man. We appreciate it. All right. You guys be safe. You too, bro. Right back at you. Bye. Once Great again, stuff, you, guys, you guys can see Luke. Uh, he, he accepted the challenge tonight. He's going to defend the Wildcat Heavyweight Championship April 27th at International Invasion. You can follow them on Twitter, at Wildcat Sports, or on Facebook by searching Wildcat Sports and Entertainment. So uh, that's, that's going to be a great match. Great stuff. Oh, yeah. Great stuff. Well, unfortunately, we wanted to get to the whole McFoley being left off the uh, USA telecasting. Uh, what a joke. It, it is a joke. I mean, what else can you really say about it? it it's, hey, but they're going to put me on it, so it's going to be huge. <laughs> it's, it's, it is a travesty, man. We should be seeing the McFoley stuff on USA, but I'm instead we're going to get Donald Trump. I bring ratings. I'm huge. Huge. It's it's a shame. Fuck. Uh, 
And you got to love Jim's uh, impersonation of uh, the Trump. But uh, I'm even doing the hair like that. You don't see it at home, but. Uh... <laughs> we got we got to get a mic on you at all, uh, a camera on you at all times. No, 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 that might break the camera. That's not good. Oh, uh, man. Well, possibly, but we'll get one of those shatter-resistant lenses for you, man. Uh, with what, what's in front of the camera, you don't want to see it. <laughs> All right, man. Well, that's, well, that's it for uh, our hour and a half, uh, you know, special here for uh, Wrestle Chat Radio. It, it's it's been a real honor. We want to thank uh, WWE legend George the Animal Steel for taking the time out of his schedule to join us. A real, real honor for us here at Wrestle Chat Radio and at Fan Junkies Radio. We also want to thank the uh, the Southern Stopper, Luke, for joining us and uh, talking about uh, the Mike Dell Challenge today that just popped up out of nowhere and. Uh, all the extreme rising stuff, uh, real real crazy stuff going out in the wrestling scenes right now. Uh, as always, check out WrestleChat.net. That's where you get all of your incredible wrestling news, rumors, information, and whatnot through everywhere. WWE, the Indies, TNA, Ring of Honor, and more. And you can replay this whole show and listen to the George the Animal Steel interview and the Luke Hawks interview as well on WrestleChat.net, and also here on Blog Talk Radio on Fan Junkies Radio. A real special show. We want to thank all of our listeners and for everybody sending in, our qu- in their questions. We have a lot more guests coming. We're trying to line up some more, some real big names. So stay tuned to WrestleChat.net for all those announcements. So for Bre- Brett Quinn Daniel and Jim Williams, I'm Jonathan Raggis. We'll see you all next Tuesday.